Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. The lionfish stung me. Welcome to the Fish Nerds. It's a celebration of fish fishing and eating fish that is always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Dave. And I'm Clay. Uh, together we talk about fishy stuff that's happened to us, people we know, and other fish nerds we've seen. Anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that the smell of bacon will improve the quality of our show. So go cook some bacon <laughs> right now. <laughs> this show is brought Money. to you by the Bacon Advisory Council of America. <laughs> yeah. I say that because actually... we're recording in the morning. We never record in the morning. I know. We, yeah. we never do. I've and, got coffee uh... and not whiskey today. <laughs> It'll be a good beta test to see you know, what's the difference mm-hmm. between the quality of the show. Who knows? We may actually learn something today. Uh, it seems unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just still, I, I like, um, you know, I, I like breakfast food. Often we we have, when we're trying to figure out what we want for dinner here in the family, once every uh, two weeks or whatever, somebody says Brenner, and we love Brenner. What is Brenner? Brenner is a combination of breakfast and dinner. Oh, it's like brunch. No, it's Brenner. Right. <laughs> breakfast and dinner, but it's like the, it's like an evening brunch. Yeah, exactly. So, so we have you know what you can have an omelet with uh, baked potato or mm-hmm. you know that kind of combo, and that that's always that's always a crowd pleaser. We do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I like I love a fried egg like on a cheeseburger. Oh, oh nice. my gosh! Like that when that egg yolk breaks and leaks down into that meat, it's all savory oh, and oh. uh, kind of makes you cry a little bit. It's so good. <laughs> it does. You know what I call that though? I, I call that a. Uh, dominance meal because it just proves that we have dominance over the animals of the earth oh yeah i'm gonna kill you and your babies <laughs> <laughs> the best is when you when you dip a piece of chicken in egg for frying Ooh. <laughs> yeah, eating like the whole I'm... family <laughs> <laughs> all we need now is a rooster <laughs> <laughs> so anyway the joys of brenner here on the fish nerd have you ever had fish for breakfast i have i have we used to, when I used to go camping, we would catch those little, you know, six or seven inch trout. And, yeah. you know, this will upset the catch and release guys of the world. But, you know, sometimes eating fish is okay. Uh, That's true. And we would call them breakfast trout. So you catch them in the <laughs> evening at sunset. And in the morning, that's what goes in the fire. Breakfast trout. Oh, and and nice. trout with a nice runny egg. Mm, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I know. I've I've had the trout too uh, over a fire in the morning in like tin foil and butter. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And totally great. Uh, my father-in-law, who's very much a foodie, anytime I mention either uh, fish and breakfast or mackerel, he always brings up a a story that he heard about Tinker mackerel. <laughs> Tinker mackerel. 
tinker mackerel in the morning. Like like Tinkerbell. Like Tinkerbell, yes, exactly. Okay. Tinker. And apparently tinker mackerel are small mackerel, like little five inch mackerel. And this person, this recipe, whatever, called for that for breakfast and would be like, ah, tinker mackerel in the morning, nothing better. Doesn't sound terrible. I like mackerel. <laughs> That's true. And you know, small fish is always better than big old nasty fish. Yeah. Although so. more have to die for you to eat. You know, if you get a full meal, you got to kill more animals. That's right. But, you know, we've already established we don't care about that. No, no. We've already lost the catch and release debate. <laughs> but let's get on with this show. Sure. Let us give thanks. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Man, love those nerds. <laughs> Actually, praise our supporters. We, you know, we really do need to praise our supporters. You know, like the fact that people care enough about us to to put a little money in the offering to the fish nerds and help save our fishing souls is really great. <laughs> it really is. Funding for this episode of the Fish Nerds comes from our lovely supporters at Patreon, the crowdfunding way to keep artists making art. Right, and we are artists. We are. Make no mistake. Right. You can tell because we do a lot of creating for very little money. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, that's the definition of artist. Yes. That's how you de- <laughs> define it. You, you can find the Fish Nerds at patreon.com and pledge just a dollar a show to help keep Clay and batteries on his recorder so he doesn't die during an important interview. Uh, it's so sad because I lost the plug for my recorder. So we have to now fund the electricity through battery power. So that's patreon.com slash forward slash fish nerds. And the way this works, just to clarify the whole thing, if you want salvation and you want to feel good about yourself every time you consume our free show, by putting a little bit in our plate, it's an ongoing donation. So if you say I'm going to give a dollar a show, that means you're giving the fish nerds $4 a month. And we're going to give you four hours of fishy entertainment. That's a good deal. And on an individual basis, that doesn't hurt your wallet one bit. But if all of our listeners combined start giving us maybe a dollar a show, that's like giving us like $8. You know, it really, your money goes further. <laughs> one of the best things about... Fishing and what what we do on the fish nerds too because we're paying attention which is nice but it happens to everybody is the stories that you collect as you're out poking around trying to find time to go fishing and, and fishing and the yesterday I was poking around the Squamscott River in the spring where, where's the, the Squamscott white, River the, good question yeah. very nice that yeah. that was a that was a very shill like. Uh, Commentary. There. I'm trying to help our audience out who doesn't live near house. <laughs> <laughs> I forget people don't live in my house. I know. You think everyone <laughs> lives where you live. You're so egocentric. <laughs> I am. You're like I a am. four-year-old. <laughs> the Squamscott River is a tidal river that comes into my hometown of Exeter, New Hampshire. And uh, it's probably six or seven miles away from the ocean because the water has to wind in around Great Bay, and which comes through Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is above Boston, which is in the North Atlantic Ocean. Is that good enough for you? It's close. <laughs> uh, and every year, especially the last couple of years, the white perch have been running up that river. I love those fish. And what's neat about fish that run up rivers or migrate is that they're often followed by predators. And in this case, the predators are anglers. And last year, there was there was big groups of people out there fishing for them. So I, I've been trying to swing by the spot to see if anybody's showing up yet. And I saw the first angler yesterday. Cool. What happened? Well, so what, what's interesting is uh, I, I zip in. It's just two guys. And... They're they're both from Massachusetts. Now, if you if you you being a New Hampshire person, you know there's a bit of a rivalry between New Hampshire and Massachusetts people, right? And we have terrible words that we call people from Massachusetts in New Hampshire. <laughs> we do, and I'm sure they have terrible words they call us. 
Uh, no. I, they just they, they want to they want to be us. They're all looking <laughs> north, going, man, those guys got it figured out. They do well. We don't pay sales tax, right? And we don't pay income tax, right? So actually, we do have it all figured out. Yeah, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. Massachusetts is often one one of the terms we use is taxachusetts, right? Because they do tend to tax everything, right? And they tax everything, and, but then they still can't fix their roads. I know. Like when you're, still if no... you're blind and you drive across the border from Mass to New Hampshire, or vice yeah. versa, you can tell yeah. the change because New Hampshire roads are beautiful. And then you right. cross the border, and it's like pothole city. Right. Yeah. I would argue if you're driving and you're blind, you may have bigger issues than the tax structure of the two states. I disagree. Because of the ADA, you're uh-huh. allowed to drive blind. That's why oh. ATMs have um, have the Braille on them. Very good. Yeah. Well, and, and that would explain why I saw a Greyhound Seeing Eye Dog training center. That's right. You need very fast dogs for <laughs> you that. You're running in front of your car. Yeah. Right. Well, it's funny. They're fast dogs, but the cars still drive a little slower. You know, yeah. Yeah, get to balance yeah. out. You know, see, see what just happened, Dave? Last week, uh, we insulted blind people. Now, we're defending them. We are. We've washed, we've washed ourselves clean. We're cleansed. Yeah. This is a very soul-searching kind of episode already. Well, it's, it is Sunday morning. It, <laughs> it is Sunday morning. <laughs> That's it. We're infused with the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so I, I was infused by the spirit of brotherly love when I, when I walked up to Don. Don was from Massachusetts. And uh, I started chatting, chatting him up about if he was catching anything. And that, that's typically what you got to do. You got to go up and go, doing any good? <laughs> and what did he and, say? And he goes, no. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> and you go, well, it was nice talking to you. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't I didn't walk away from the nap. And uh, I said, so, you know, that's, well, they, they ought to be showing up soon. And, and then that slowly started building. So Don is a total huge fish nerd. Um, he's up from Massachusetts. I think he's down actually a little bit south of Boston. So that's an hour and a half up here to just see if there are white perch. So that's that's a pretty big commitment. Well, that's strange to me because there must be coastal rivers in Massachusetts where white perch will run. Yeah, but he he had fished this last year and it was really popular. Now Don Don is from uh, clearly from a uh, I, I'm already screwing this up. <laughs> Han is clearly from a Asian ethnic background. No, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's only because I'm trying to be super, super sensitive, right? Because I've, I've encountered racism around here, especially with people from Massachusetts, like in the Lawrence Lowell area and all that, mm-hmm. um, from, from different, different ethnic backgrounds. And fishermen can be pretty conservative jerks. So I'm, I'm always super hypersensitive to the whole race thing because I think it's Awesome that people from different racial backgrounds can find common language in fishing. I totally right. agree with that. Yeah. 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 So, but I'm always very hypersensitive because I think I screw it up constantly. Yeah. Well, that's, so. in the name of comedy, you're allowed to screw it up. If we were serious <laughs> newscasters, we'd be in trouble. We would be and, in and that's trouble. Coming. We're going to get in trouble one of these days. But. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, regardless, and, and and I only bring that up because it, it there is very little racial diversity in Ma- in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of social socioeconomic diversity, but yeah, it's it's a pretty homogenous. Is that a word? Yeah, homogenous yeah. state. Yeah. yeah, pretty pretty whitey, very especially white. in the White Mountains where I live. They even named them that. <laughs> That's true. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, this is just a hypothetical. So up where I live, there's not a lot of diversity. There's less than even where you are. Right. So when I see someone that's clearly from a different ethnic group, I go out of my way to be nice to them. Is that racist? I think it is. I think it is. Well, shit. Yeah. I know. Yeah, so you're just definitely being treat racist. treat them like a jerk like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. You should. I want, I, want to be like, I want more people like that to come here. I know. So, I know. So I'd be extra nice, but that all by itself is not okay. Is That's, it okay? Well, I, I, I did not say it wasn't okay. Mm. I said it was racist. Right. I'm judging people. 
You are. And you're well, acting differently based on racial profiling. Right. Right. But I don't, if you're in a wheelchair, I don't hold doors for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the ADA, well, there's a button they can push now. Right. So they're yeah. they're all, yeah. They're, they're all set. They're all set. I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> I, just um, I have to insult a new group every week until someone notices that we're talking. <laughs> right. Until someone notices. Yeah. The, um, well, and the interesting thing about this spot in the Squam Scott is that in in certain communities and it seems like in an urban asiatic history uh, it, it appeared to, to be of asian descent or of heredity i don't know i don't know what's the right right way to say that um <laughs> a- asian americans i think is actually the right way to say that is it i think so okay now how do um, we, how do um people other parts of asia who don't look uh the same as that feel about it let's say you're from india mhm how do you feel about being called Asian? Oh, crap. <laughs> I didn't think about that. You can't win this. It's too broad. I didn't think about the you Indian. You just ask them where they're from. And they're going to say, I'm from Massachusetts. All right, you're from Massachusetts. Yeah. All right. I think we, well, need to, we need to forget about all the heritage. I, I think that would be great, although this spot, and, and I get this from local bait shops and things, is is becoming notorious for big family groups coming up from Massachusetts. And they're, they're and the, eating sustainable, right? They're trying to feed their families. Not sustainable fishing, but sustainable feeding their families. Well, see, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can only uh, guess that. I, I haven't actually talked to any of them specifically about that. Uh-huh. Um, but I know from research that, I, that I've seen across the country and sort of how different groups of people fish is that often urban um, Asian American families also hispanic families and and i think some others uh fish in big groups big family groups sure which kind of freaks out sort of euro european americans i guess um uh-huh. because typically that's a much more loner thing to do right well but, i mean that comes from the like what i was saying earlier is they're feeding they're they're catching fish to sustain their family to feed their families so it's a different reason for fishing you know, if you look at most of these solo fishermen, they're out catching, releasing, maybe catching a few fish, but they're not trying to, like, feed everyone. Right. Well, and then I think there's also famil- familial connections are actually stronger in a lot of cultures than than American white folks. I know I, I try to avoid my family at all costs. Yeah, I understand that. I have I have no response. <laughs> <laughs> my wife listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so that's that's some interesting stuff. I've also heard of sort of safety things. Now, I, I, I don't know so much about New Hampshire, but I know in Indiana, if you were a person of color and you were alone out in the middle of nowhere, that's a scary place if a bunch of rednecks show up. Mm. Um, so that's an, I've heard that as another reason of why. Um, it, the, you know, I don't like the people of color term either because oh, white is a colorable. Yeah. Now, they're, they're, yeah. um, from what I understand, and I don't mm-hmm. know anything because I live in the White Mountains. Right. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the term black is back in vogue. Mm. African American's not a word anymore people are using. And people of color is just weird. Like, that's just people of color is weird, although it's, it's, it's very cerebral. Like, people, it, oh, people of color. But it's the opposite of the definition of color. So if, you're, if you mean black when you say people of color, the scientific Which, definition of black is lacking of all color. It's a vacuum of color. There's nothing. White is it's measuring light waves, right? Black yep. has no waves, no wavelength. There's no color in black. And white and white has all color. Has all of it. So really, if you say people of color, you're talking scientifically. You're talking white folks. <laughs> it's a terrible, See, it's stupid racist. term. Yeah. 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 I know. I, I, I like the I like the way the term rolls off the tongue. I like people that. of color. I, li- I like the way it says. It's very almost poetic. But yeah, mm. I, I don't I don't think it's accurate at all. Right. And there's so um, many jokes I could make right now, and I don't know which ones are okay. So I'm going to move on. on I this. think that's a <laughs> yeah. fine choice. Yeah. So anyway, regardless of all the race stuff, uh, and hopefully someday I'll be able to talk to Don about that because I think that is interesting. It is, but. Interesting. Um, but thrown all that away, Don was awesome. 
And Don was, he was saying, well, you know, I come up here. I wanted to see it was a nice day. I wanted to see if the white perch were running. But really, my season starts in Rhode Island. And he tog fishes down in Rhode Island, Tau Tog. And Tau Tog is blackfish. They're so good. And uh, he says, that's what, that's what I really focus on in Rhode Island. And while I'm fishing for there, I keep an eye out to see if anybody starts catching stripers. If they start catching stripers, I switch to stripers. And then once the stripers are in, I s- will switch to fluke because the fluke follow this, you know, come in after that. And he gave me the whole, the whole series of, of how he fishes in Rhode Island. He fishes the canal, although he gets skunked in the canal all the time. And the canal is the man-made structure that cuts Cape Cod. And allows ships to not have to go all the way around. And uh, our friend Ryan and many others on the Cape Cod Canal, rats, that group, um, fish that a lot. And Don was like, oh, yeah, I fish a lot and I get skunked all the time. Um, and Don was just just totally on board with the whole New England saltwater fishing thing. It's amazing how people and, connect with that cycle. They just know what's happening, when it's happening, where it's happening, and they just follow the fish. Yeah, exactly. They follow them all the way up to the, the places they're comfortable to go fishing for fish and, and all of that. And it's it's I just find that really interesting. So I hope, like like I said, Don was super super friendly, um, not overly so, you know, but that right mix of friendly. <laughs> and uh, and but his friend oh, sat in the car and never came out through the whole time. That's really and, great. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, mm, all right, but anyway. Don, super friendly, and I'm hoping to run into Don again later. Um, Good. And did he catch any fish at all? No. And he wasn't able to get sea worms or blood worms, although he told me how to go dig them up at places, mm. and uh, which was awesome. It was a great uh, tip of information. And But he was only fishing with shrimp, I guess, like uh, some some shrimp that they can get at bait shops and, uh, and then worms, night crawlers. That should work. If the fish are there, I don't think that yeah, terribly I, I would think so. I, I think it's probably a little early. But no, he had two lines out and wasn't doing any good. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. So. <laughs> it's that time of year. It's April. It's just really a terrible month for fishing. It is. It is. But all the fishermen want to go fishing. Well, because it's so it's warming up. The ice is melting. And it just feels yeah. like you should be fishing. It, it's true. Yeah, it's true. But anyway, so that's that's uh, that's the entry, at least one more entry for the Fish Nerds Diary. Right. Network. Hmm. Network is defined as a group or system of interconnected people or things. Or when the act of handling a mesh device is capturing big fish, like I do all the time. <laughs> that's true. Or in our case, it means our show gets to pal around with other cool podcasts on the Internet. Mm, that's awesome. So we are founding members of the Outdoor Podcast channel, a group of unique outdoor-related podcasts. Go to iTunes or your favorite favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Outdoor Podcast channel. <laughs> so we like that network. We're also part of the Pod Bros Network. What's up, bro? Hey, bro. Hey, man. Hey, bro. Um, this collection is not only men. There's women in there as well. But it's a nerd connect uh, collection. Are, are the women called the pod bras? <laughs> oh. I can only assume they're the God, pod bras. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> this collection of 40 or so casts is perhaps the nerdiest thing we've ever been involved in. The network includes several comic book shows, a wrestling show, gamer shows... A fight club show. Yeah, that's true. People who get paid to fight each other. Well, you just um, made a terrible mistake. I, I, First I've, rule I've, of fight club. <laughs> I know. I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh, there's a veteran show, comedians. There are even sci-fi specific shows. Very, very nerdy. And, of course, the fish nerds are part of this. So check it out at podbros.com. You know, we're also part of the Reno Viola Outdoors Radio Network, 24-7, 365. You can hear us multiple times each week. Simply go to wrvoradio.com uh, and find out why 30,000 listeners check out Reno Viola's list of shows that include In Fisherman Radio and Outdoor Magazine Radio. Reddit on Reddit. Oh, I like how that sounds. Doesn't it sound good? Yeah. I, 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 I'm actually... I've. I'm like you, I assume, where I try to purvey all the fishy stuff on the internet. 
mm-hmm. and especially all the forums. Many forums where fishermen are coming together and sharing stories and all that. Some of them can get really tiring. Some of them are really like snotty exclusive. Like if you try to get in on the conversation, they, they get snotty. Uh, it's amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cycle back to something that's not fish, but it's something internet related. Yeah. So in 2011, I turned a um, filing, filing cabinet into a maple sugar evaporator and I put it on the internet. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, I Googled it. Image search, every kind of search did not exist. I, as far as I can tell, I was the first person to ever do this. Mm, mm-hmm. So I cycled back to it yesterday, Googled it, to see if anyone else has built one. They're yeah. all over the place, and they're all from 2013 and on. And everyone claims to have invented it. <laughs> and and uh, looking at the online forums, everyone says it won't work and blah, 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 but it, cle- it works. I, I used mine again this year. But it's amazing how online forums, when people start writing on a forum, they become the expert as soon as they, as soon as they start typing. Like it's because I'm typing on the internet. This is this is the authority, right? And that's that's uh, all these forms are the same in that sense. And and the forum credibility builds when it, the person knows a few other people on the forum because then oh, they yeah. chime in and go, "Oh, you know, John, hey, way to go, John!" And yeah, and and then John becomes the big deal on the forum. My favorite is they forget there's a little Google button in the top right corner of all their computers. And they can actually <laughs> research all the crap that they're spewing out. <laughs> and find why out bother? They, yeah, who cares? <laughs> you know, speak with authority and you'll be right at least sometimes. Yeah, and You'll exactly. sound right all the time. <laughs> and that, that's actually nice. The internet has places for communities, people to get together. Sure. Know. I love it. Um, and Reddit is is really great. I don't know if you're are you a Reddit member? No, I've never looked at Reddit. Oh, uh, y'all y'all to look at Reddit. It takes a little while to get on on uh, on board with how the forums are set up or the areas. I forget they got a name for it. But you can sign up for different things. So I'm signed up for the fishing thread, I guess. But there's also a micro fishing thread. Cool. Of yeah, of people only catching small fish. There's aquarium thread. There's pretty much any fishy component. There's a thread for it. And uh, I wanted to, to start a segment here in tribute to the Reddit community, the Reddit folks. Great. And um, this this post comes from Goatman2. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Goatman2, not to be confused with Goatman1. Right. Uh, writes, hi, guys. I really want to get into bass fishing, but I'm not really sure how You're good doing my this wrong. setup. You're doing this wrong. Oh. You need oh, to I'm read sorry. it as a goat. Got it. Yeah. Okay, ready? Hey, goat Hey, guys. I really want to get into bass fishing, but I'm not sure how good my setup is. I got some yum worms, watermelon, weights, hooks, etc. My rod has six-pound test, and I got four-pound mono line for a liter. How does the how does that sound? Any tips? Thanks. Nah. 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 <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, that we just improved the quality of our show right there. It's from Goatman Two on Reddit. If you're gonna call yourself Goatman, <laughs> what do you expect? So, uh, now, do we read the Reddit responses or give our response? Well, the neat thing about Reddit responses is that the the whole community pukes out their responses, right? Mm-hmm. And then people vote on the responses. No. Yes. <laughs> so no. you can upvote a response. If you, if you see a response that you like, you can hit the up button, and that gives it more points and keeps it on the top. Wow. And everyone or if knows some- voting improves accuracy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or if somebody says something stupid, you could downvote it and bury it in the comments. That's remarkable. Yeah. So it's really nice to just kind of cruise through there and be like, oh, upvote, 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 downvote, you know, all that. <laughs> Screw you. Um, so the top vote is from TD or TTJR89. That's TD. That's TT Junior. Yeah. TT Junior 89. <laughs> yeah. And TT Junior eighty nine says six pounds, 
is all right, but bass like weeds. So you're going to be fishing a lot of weeds, and you might end up losing quite a bit of gear in some snags, and you can avoid that with a stronger line. That's basically what he says. You know what you got to do, Dave? What? You got to read this as the uh, troll from the Three Billy Goats Gruff. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. I, I think you're the person to voice this. <laughs> all right. So the, the troll lived under the bridge and threatened to eat all these goats, right? So it makes sense that Goatman was answered by TT, like T- Timmy Troll Jr., 89. Oh, so we can only assume that's who it we is. We can yeah. only assume, right? Mm-hmm. So he would be a little more gruff than, than, than your response. Got it. Right. Who's that trip tropping on my bass? Six pound <laughs> test is all right, but bass like weeds. So you're going to be fishing in a lot of weeds, and you might end up losing a lot of gear to those weeds and snags. But if you could avoid the snags and weeds, that'd be fine. And you won't need a leader either. The only difference is it'll make you so you won't lose as much of line in the weeds from your spool. If you do get snagged and lose it in the weeds, but it's going to happen anyway because of the weeds. It's very nice. Repetitive. Yeah. Thank you. Very good. That It was as if the troll were right here. He's with us today in spirit. Yeah. You know, it's Sunday morning. <laughs> it's time for your weekly troll. <laughs> so that's our Reddit on Reddit segment. Oh, I like that. Fish in the news. I love fish in the news. <laughs> for fish in the news, we're going to do a little round the horn, round the uh, world kind of uh, overview of fish in the news. The first one comes from ABC News, and the title is "Texas State Aquarium Loses 400 Fish After Parasite Treatment Goes Awry." So they were treating these parasites, and they forgot where they put the fish. <laughs> like I had my keys in my pocket, I had the fish on the counter. Shit. I lost my fish. So sad. What's next story? 400 of them, too. That's a lot. Uh, Yeah, and they said they didn't quite know. So basically the story went that there's this really difficult parasite that they were trying to get rid of, and they did that. (laughs) But there was a problem. They got rid of the fish, too, that were being parasitized. Uh, so um, if, if you translate that to humans, like, you know, you got a tapeworm? I can solve that problem for you. I'm just going to have to kill you. <laughs> problem solved. No more tapeworm. From the story, it's not as terrible as it sounds because it says, quote, the loss represents about 13% of the aquarium's overall collection. Um, but they did lose sharks, green moray eels, spadefish, and other marine life. Uh, like, I guess for losing 400 sardines, they wouldn't feel bad about. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, well. Yeah, we got 20,000 more. We'll be fine. <laughs> but anyway, lots of people were very sad, and, and aquariums from all over the world have been sending them re- uh, offerings to lend them or give them fish. So here's what you do. Take your fish and put it in a self-addressed stamped envelope. <laughs> <laughs> and send it to Texas State Aquarium. Yes. In care of the fish nerds. Yes. Oh, no. Don't no. Don't put our name <laughs> on it. The next story from USA Today. Its title is Paratrooper Brings Fish on His Last Jump and Takes a Selfie. <laughs> I love it. So the title of this person, the rank is SPC. Do you know what that is? Uh, specialist? Specialist. Okay. I'm guessing. I I did grow up in military families, but I never paid attention. Uh, This is U.S. Army, so. um, They're all the same. We'll we'll say, (laughs) yeah, right. We'll say uh, specialist. Specialist Matthew Tattersall prepares to leave the U.S. Army. He wanted to make his last jump as a paratrooper a memorable one. (laughs) So, quote, last weekend he jumped with Willie Make It. His pet Siamese fighting fish. So he's named his fish Willie Make It. That's really great. <laughs> and he put it in a uh, a drinking water bottle, uh-huh. you know, just like just like a little sixteen or twelve ounce bottle, and did his parachute jump. And then he took a selfie with his little Siamese fighting fish while he was falling. While he was falling, yes, that's amazing. Now, did Willie make it? 
<laughs> Willie did make it, although Matthew got in a bunch of trouble. Well, yeah. Because it went viral, and his superiors found out, and he had to he had to come out and say, you know, it wasn't within safety protocols of what we're supposed to do, and I shouldn't have brought a fish with me. <laughs> Good. Well, <laughs> at least he had to apologize before he leaves the Army. I thought the headline, Paratrooper Brings Fish on His Last Jump, Takes Selfie. The last jump is such a final sentence. I know. <laughs> I'm thinking the end is like, will he make it, didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was his last jump of his uh, U.S. Army career. Well, he would have ended his career. If it was his first jump, he would have been over because he got in trouble. So it worked out well. <laughs> like, what are you going to do, fire me? I already quit. Perfect. <laughs> so let that be a lesson. If you're going to jump out of an airplane with a fish and you're in the Army, make it your last time. That's right. Yeah, it's important. And Willie Make It is like the awesomest name for a paratrooper's fish I've ever heard. I know. I always. I, I wonder with this. Did he? Uh, was the fish's name already that, or did he just change the name <laughs> because of that event, or buy it for that event? Right. Yeah. That that would have taken a lot of searching. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Like, oh, here's search forever. I'm looking for a goldfish, and his name has to be Willie Make It. Like, how do you already find that fish? <laughs> if you search. <laughs> Our next story comes from StandardSpeaker.com. That's a Hazleton, Pennsylvania publication. The title of the story is. Fish are on fire on opening day. Wow. I know. That sounds dramatic. I bet it's easier to spot them. <laughs> and they're pre-cooked. Quote, every cast, this is a good quote, every cast, bang, bang. That came from Harley Gardner. <laughs> That's the every cast. Quote. Every cast. Every cast. Bang, bang. That's a good day. Yeah. That's the fish are exploding in Pennsylvania. <laughs> They're not only on fire, they're exploding. Bang, makes, bang. Well, it makes sense. If they can catch it. If they're flammable, they're probably going to blow up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. John Otter of Hazleton watched his fishing pole bend in a C-shaped arc as he set the hook. Quote, wow, it's a little fish. Unquote, he said in surprise. Quote, I'm thinking it's King Kong. Quote. Hmm. I have a question. Do you think John Otter is a real otter? I was thinking that. I'm just imagining, like... <laughs> An otter who just, you know, like, I'm a cartoon fishing, you know. <laughs> Johnny Otter here. I, anyway. mean, I, I don't know. Who wrote this story? I don't know. It's uh, some some hack in st- <laughs> standard speaker. <laughs> His pole bent in a C-shaped arc. Oh, what other kind of arc could you make? <laughs> <laughs> Must be 300 words. His pole bent. I've had poles bend in a cursive G arc before. <laughs> That's some arc. It's not good. Yeah, I it's had, not yeah. good. I had a 90-degree arc once in one of my poles. <laughs> so the last bit comes from Associated Press. Real news from Rio de Janeiro. 37 tons of dead fish removed from Rio Olympic rowing venue. Jeez, were they trying to, like, fix a parasite? <laughs> Probably. Probably trying to get rid of a parasite. Um, Quote, garbage collectors were out in force again on Thursday to rake dead fish off of the water's surface. Uh, And they will continue to do so until the die-off subsides. The decomposing fish, a small silvery species called a twayet shad, were trucked to the city's main dump. Quote, such die-offs are common in Rio where rivers, lakes, and even the ocean are blighted by raw sewage and garbage. Wow. In February, Twayet Shad died en masse in the blighted waters of Guanabara Bay where the Olympic sailing events are to be held. Wow. If the water's that gross and you're like sailing and getting splashed up, it sounds (laughs) like a terrible place. I know. It's like, do, do do you remember RoboCop? Yes. Which um, one? The, the remake or the original? No, the original, of course. Okay. Please. I've watched them both um, recently. Just Oh. Do you yeah. remember the episode where the guy got smashed into the toxic waste tank? Yes. And he melts? Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> yes. I would assume that happens if you're on the you know, the the uh, French sailing vessel in the Olympics and you fall off. Sacre <laughs> bleu. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. You don't make it. No. Um, sounds, uh, what a terrible story. And it's interesting that's a story at all because it's common. It is very common. And I grew up in Indiana that many listeners have already heard of many times. And uh, we had gizzard shad. We have gizzard shad out there in the reservoirs. And they have a temperate shock every year. So when the winter, when the ice goes away and the spring has all these mad fluctuations, you'll get big gizzard shad die-offs. And I'm sure if you gathered them all up, it'd be tons and tons and tons of dead fish. Um, And it's just something shad do because shad will die if you just look at them funny. Right. You know, that's why you should always divert your eyes when you see a shad. (laughs) Right. You don't want to insult them. You don't want to... You don't want to even threaten them in any way because they'll just go blip, belly up, wow. bang, bang. So, well, Rio sounds like a terrible place. <laughs> Rio does sound like a terrible place. Um, if nothing more than for bikini waxes, those would hurt. Uh, yeah, it'd be terrible. Oh, Rio's in Brazil. Yeah. Ah, got it. Rio de Janeiro. Got it. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I am it's so they- globally inept. <laughs> like, I just don't know where things are. What do... So that is Fish in the News. Good news. The doctor is in. Dr. Erica Martin. I like her. Yeah, she's been on vacation for a while. She went back to uh, to the home waters of Indiana and visited the folks, I can only assume. Um. And so she she's been absent for a while, but she we were able to dial in and get some get some stories. And she's talking to us about the engineer Gobi. Cool, I like Gobies. Yeah, this one's exceptionally interesting. Dr. Erica Martin, how are you? I'm enthusiastic. Hey, <laughs> you're always enthusiastic. <laughs> what is the fish today? The fish today goes by several different names. I have heard it as the engineer goby, but it's also called the convict goby, or sometimes an engineer blenny or a convict blenny. Um, some... Uh, of those combinations. I see. So so this is a, a thieving fish? Is it a murderous fish? Why, why are they calling it that? So they call it the convict because of the striped pattern on the fish. Oh, okay. And they call it the engineer because it makes these really super cool burrows in the sand. Oh, very nice. So they're actually building burrows in, uh, like under coral reefs and stuff? Yeah, quite elaborate ones, apparently. So it's pretty neat. A researcher, uh, her last name is Clark, who unfortunately just passed away, but a lot of people know her as the shark lady. And she was out diving and saw these little things and just had to know more. So most of the research that I've used today is from her. But they do make really elaborate burrows that apparently the adults just live in all the time. She noticed that juveniles tend to swim out and about, uh, sometimes as far as 165 feet from burrows. Uh, Then they'll return uh, in the evening and swim down there, but the adults just stay in there. They have no um, video footage or evidence at all that suggests adults leave the burrow or eat at all. That's crazy. So there's no evidence that they eat? Is that what you said? Yeah, right, the adults. Yeah, they just hang out in the burrow all day. Uh, so I have a theory on that. I think they're uh, eating disorder fish, so they hide the evidence that they're eating so that the uh, other fish won't judge them. That's what I think. <laughs> they're so, embarrassed. Yeah, they don't want people to know what they're eating because they'd be embarrassed, yeah. So they hide it. I thought maybe they were just like really sloppy, noisy eaters, and so they <laughs> hid their shame. Yeah, they're shameful. <laughs> Whatever. Something, they're shamed about something, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I think they're just probably like hoarder shut-ins, you know, <laughs> that once, once they get to adult. And, and I, I can identify with these fish, by the way, because I, I would never leave my home if I didn't have to. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> that makes me sad because I love going everywhere. I would be the opposite of an engineer, Gobi. <laughs> 
I would be a terrible engineer, Gobi. Uh, Dave would be like uh, cable TV Gobi, watching <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and ordering out. That's it. Oh, it sounds like heaven. Gobi heaven. <laughs> uh, but one of the theories on how the adults actually do eat, maybe, we have no idea, is that um, the juveniles actually just bring back food. And maybe either stored in their mouths, maybe they regurgitate it. Don't know, but that's one theory: is that the ba- the juveniles are actually bringing back food to the adult, which would be really freaking exciting because no other fish in the whole entire world has that behavior of juveniles caring for adults. Right, because kids are useless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep bringing this up to my kid now. I'll be like, go. look. It's time for you to go out and get me something to eat and bring it back. I'm never leaving. Dave. It's your job. Otherwise, I die. Uh, Dave, you have to just lay on the couch with your mouth open. Just wait for food to arrive. (laughs) They are marine, um, and they uh, live in the western central Pacific Ocean, so around the Philippines area to the Solomon Islands, but they are absent from Australia. Um, and they are reef associated. Juveniles um, and adults actually have very different patterns. Uh, the juveniles um, are relatively small. Um, they're mostly black, but then they have two kind of whitish blue stripes that go from their head to their tail. And they actually are mimicked, or they mimic um, the striped catfish, which is a venomous species. Yeah, another super cool thing the engineer goby does is mimicry as juveniles. However, once they grow up and decide to never ever leave their burrows again, um, they actually become really beautiful, um, like a yellowish white mottled stripey pattern with black. It's it's really pretty. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it. It's not it's not stripes like a zebra it's nothing like that it's not so patterned it's looks a little bit more random if that makes sense they they kind of remind me of um those big salamanders we have here in new hampshire dave tiger salamander oh yeah i can see that that pattern so they are super secretive they're hard to find they're hard to follow and so they really don't know much about them except for what uh clark did in her research and they used a little like a snake camera kind of thing juveniles will come back and then they will go into the burrow and then they attach their heads to the top of the burrows with mucus threads and hang there. <laughs> That's what they do all night. That's gross. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they, the juveniles hang out in packs too, so there's like several of them, right? They could just so you've got a dozen or more of these juveniles buried in the sand in a burrow stuck to the ceiling, hanging there motionless all night. They're like sticky bats. <laughs> That's amazing. That is yeah, amazing. This is pretty cool. I was um, pretty, this one is really neat. And it also um, you can have them in your saltwater tank because it's, they're commercially available, so there you go. All right, so here's a question. I And I've seen pictures of them in tanks, and it, they appear to be the adults, I think, that I've seen in tanks. How do they feed them? Or do they feed them? I don't know. The ones that we have, the ones that I've always seen are the juveniles. They don't have the modeled pattern yet. Um, and they eat the, they eat, uh, the frozen food that we put in there just fine. Um, they don't have a problem, but I've never encountered an adult, so I, I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't eat. Wow, so maybe you lose them when they turn adults. Well, if they're made to be that way, then maybe they just don't eat? Question mark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they just fast forever? I don't know. So when you when you get them in the aquarium, the juveniles, um, at night, do they, like, snot up and, <laughs> and stick to the walls? I don't know. I don't see them at night. They they burrow, so they're, they're just disappeared once it's dark. And they're not in the tank anymore. Well, they're, they're in the tank. I just can't see them, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. But that would be pretty cool. I'm going to go sneak in the pet store at 1 o'clock in the morning and, <laughs> and uh, go check out the engineer gobies. <laughs> There's no other fish that shows this behavior with the, with the family communal living. Um, but is this an analogy to some, like, colonial or uh, colony kind of insects? Like a, like a beehive? Oh, 
I don't know. I've never thought about it. <laughs> That's a good one. But it's not the juveniles, Dave. It's not the, the larvae aren't bringing her food. That's true. Right. But the offspring are. Yeah. So if you look at it in terms of offspring and, you know, the pattern is the adult creates a mechanism for which it can feed and never leave home, mm -hmm. which I'm grooving on. I really like <laughs> <laughs> that. That would be analogous. I don't know. Yes. I don't, like it. I don't like it one day. Caution. I mean, that's uh, that's some pretty big generalizations there, Bucko. <laughs> Ooh, I got a Bucko. That's why. That's why there's not a doctor. <laughs> why would I get a Bucko and Clay gets away with nothing? I, I mean, I, come on. Well, the expectations shut. are higher, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry, Clay. That was mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Well, thanks so much for this interesting information about the engineer Gobi. Wow. You are welcome. Stump the fish nerds. Dave. Hey. I'm so happy. So we have, a seg we have this segment on our show called Stump the Fish Nerds, where yep. callers, or listeners, people who can hear our voice, can call 607-378-FISH, <laughs> leave us a voicemail, we'll play it on the show, and we'll answer their questions. And I'm extending that we had a contest going the month of April, but because we've only had one caller, <laughs> I'm extending the contest through the month of May as well. So anybody oh. who calls in Stump the Fish Nerds hotline at 607-378-FISH leaves us a voicemail with a reasonably good Stump the Fish Nerds question, we will send you a PK lure of our choice, and we'll send you a lure based on where you live. So if you live near the ocean, maybe I'll send you a big saltwater thing. If you're inland, maybe I'll send you something for that. But we get Very to choose good. it. Yeah, and we'll throw a decal in there, too, because we're that kind of guys. <laughs> so this Stump the Fish Nerds comes from Wicked Fisher. And give me a second. I'm going to play it for you. Okay, Dave and Clay. This is Wicked Fisher. My question for Stump the Fish Nerds is this. Rumor has it that lionfish are plaguing the Florida coast down through the Bahamas. I had them in my fish tank, and I heard that they're poisonous. Can you eat them? Can we do something to get rid of them by creating a market? Let me know. Have a great day. Chow. Chow. I, I like the concept where he's sitting there looking at his aquarium going, I wonder if I could eat that. <laughs> well, he, you know, he used to be a big saltwater aquarist. I mean, a real fish nerd. Yeah. So when we post Gobi stuff up, he's like, oh, I had that fish once or whatever we post. He's had them. Mm -hmm. um, but to, back to his question, we've answered this on the show before. We had this one answered by Jackson Landers when he was on talking about his book, Eating Aliens. Totally edible fish, apparently delicious. The trouble is, is creating the market for them. It's been tried. A lot of restaurants are starting to pick up on this trend. Mm -hmm. um, but to, create, you, to, to really do this right, you'd want to have a massive, a huge market for them. Because the best way to make a fish extinct is to have that be the go-to fish. <laughs> but right, maybe with the collapse of the cod industry, we can market this fish better. So the key is going to be a marketing approach that is going to get lionfish on the on the plate. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm thinking of you know, a wee ma wet, 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 lionfish tastes great in the fish tank, the mighty fish tank, the lionfish swims. Yeah, the lionfish is yummy. Yummy. Yeah. Ow, wow, 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 the lionfish stung me. <laughs> we just solved the world's lionfish problem. So anyway, to get in on the fishing, uh, Stump the Fish Nerds action, call 607-378-FISH, and we will sing to you. A wee mowit, a wee mowit, a wee mowit, a wee mowit. Public library. Where's your public library card, Clay? Uh, it is in my wallet. Uh, you know, Dave, we love 
libraries. The public library not only extends to your community, which is a, a fabulous community resource, like you said, and everybody should take advantage of that because you know, it's been paid for one way or another. Different communities do it different ways. Um, but there's also an online one uh, I found that puts books, audio books for free. They are public domain free readings of audiobooks. Is this and, uh, LibriVox? Yes, I, I am talking about that. And specifically, How to Cook Fish by Olive Green. <laughs> and How to Cook Fish by Olive Green is an insanely long book with different readers reading different sections. And we won't include the entire section, but we'll include the highlights, about two minutes worth, of chapter 13, which is entitled 45 Ways to Cook Eels. All right, feel free to read along. <laughs> How to Cook Fish by Olive Green Narrated by Sean McKinley Section 13 45 Ways to Cook Eels Eels a la vie Clean two large eels and cut into links. Cover with salted and acidulated water. Add a bunch of parsley, a sliced onion, and a pinch of powdered sweet herbs. Boil slowly for 10 minutes. Cool and drain. Melt one tablespoonful of butter and cook in it two tablespoonfuls of flour. Add two cupfuls of white stock and cook until thick, stirring constantly. Take from the fire and season to taste. Add the yolks of four eggs, well beaten and cool. Dip the pieces of eel in this sauce and set on ice. Roll in cracker crumbs, dip in beaten eggs, then in breadcrumbs, and fry brown in deep fat. Eels a la Tartare. Cut up the eel and cook in court bouillon with wine. Drain, dip in egg and crumbs, and fry in deep fat. Serve with a stiff mayonnaise mixed with chopped parsley, olives, pickles, and capers. Eels a la Reine. Prepare and cut up the eels. Fry in butter with half a can of mushrooms and dredge with flour. Add one cupful of stock and half a cupful of white wine. Bring to the boil, season with salt, pepper, and a chopped onion, and cook until the eel is tender. Skim, take from the fire, and add the juice of half a lemon, beaten smooth with the yolks of two eggs. Stewed Eels Wash and skin a pint of eels, cut them in pieces three inches long, pepper and salt them, and put them into a stew pan. Pour in one pint of good soup stock, adding one large onion, shredded, three cloves, a teaspoonful of grated lemon peel, and a wine glassful of port wine. Stew slowly for half an hour and pour into a hot dish. Strain the liqueur and add a wine glassful of cream thickened with flour, and boil up at once. Pour over the eels and serve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that time in the podcast that we talk about effing swag. Mm -hmm. You know what and looks great on the floor in my bedroom? Sweat. <laughs> and specifically, we're highlighting the effing hat. Right. It's good we're highlighting this because I have about 20 of them sitting in my desk right now <laughs> that, that need a forever home. <laughs> well, the effing hat is effing awesome. And we're going to put a tribute to the effing hat by talking about some of the famous hats in pop culture mm. uh, that... That are just as cool, maybe just as cool right. as so, the effing hat, the, uh, the Fishner's interested. hat. Yeah. What are you thinking? All right. So I'm going to give you some clues, and you're going to see if you can guess the famous person. I'm going to describe the hat. Do I guess the person me. before you describe to see if I can predict your description? Sure. Uh, Abe Lincoln. <laughs> awesome. Yes, it was Abe Lincoln. You're kidding. That's very good. <laughs> Abe Lincoln wearing a very iconic stovepipe uh, black hat. Very good. Wow. You, you, you want to try the next one? 
No. Okay. <laughs> I'm only going to be lucky once. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, this very wide hat looks like an upside down triangle. It has a gold emblazoned on it and has some funny folds in it and sits up at least two or three times higher than the person's head. Is it the Pope? It is or, the Pope. Yeah. Very good. That would have the been Pope's. my next guess anyway. So. <laughs> so another famous hat, the Pope's hat. Right. Wow. And which which actually would look good with the uh, Fish Nerds logo right it on there. It would look good. Yeah. The hat would look good, but it would not look good on a head. <laughs> no, no. No. It's a dopey really, hat. Right. You, how do you get you out of to... your car? <laughs> well, you'd have a Pope mobile. That's, That's how true. you do it. Yeah. The bubble. <laughs> okay. You ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. This top hat is the iconic purple of this character. Uh, is it iconic purple? Is it, oh, the penguin? Yes. <laughs> I was going towards Willy Wonka, so oh, he's is green though. Yeah. Yeah, his is green. No, yeah. but the uh, the penguin from the Batman series. Not the a, not the movies. Not the movies. All right. No. Not da- not Danny DeVito. No, but no. Uh, Burgess. Okay. No, no, Burgess Meredith. That's the Burgess guy. Meredith. All right. Yeah, very good. <laughs> One or two more here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Um, so this iconic hat is a candy stripe of red and white. The, the cat in the hat. Yes, very yes. good. The cat in the hat. I'm going to give you one. Okay. All right. Yep. This iconic hat uh, is the shape of a mantle clock and is French in origin, uh, worn by a short man with a great accent. <laughs> Would it be Napoleon? It is Napoleon, yeah. Oh! Oh, this nerd swag. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So these are just a few of the iconic hats that are in the same family as the Fish Nerds hat. Right. And how can people get a Fish Nerds hat, Dave? Well, the cool thing is all they have to remember is Fish Nerd Nation. Type in the words Fish Nerd Nation, no spaces, dot com, and it will take you to our commerce site, which you can buy one of the Fish Nerd hats right there. Right. And there's one other way to get a Fish Nerds hat. Oh, really? Yeah, go to patreon.com slash fish nerds and contribute at the prize level to get your hat. And then send us a picture of you with the Fish Nerds hat or your latest catch laying on a Fish Nerds hat. We've done that for years now, and it, it, makes, it makes a very nice photo. It does. And did you see that Hugo, our culinary correspondent, yesterday checked in Opening day at Wachusett Reservoir, catching lake trout using the Fish Nerds hat. I saw that. That made yeah. me so happy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Dave. <laughs> yes. yes. We're going to be the next guest on the Cold River Radio Show. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, and we're not the only guest. The Cold River Show is a show that's based on, like, uh, Garrison Keillor's show, uh, you know, um, uh, something about prairies. <laughs> Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> Prairie Home Companion. Uh, yeah. But this is a great opportunity for Fish Nerds fans to see the Fish Nerds do a live bit. Uh, so this, uh, you can get information at coldriverradio.com. This show features exclusively New England-based artists. That's us. Performers, mm-hmm. that's us. Mm-hmm. Authors, mm-hmm. that's us. And storytellers, yep. us. And the show <laughs> focuses on the unique culture of the Northeast. Uh, through the acts, it features live on stage as well as in-depth, in-field episodes covering New England's fascinating and mysterious history. Cold River Radio introduces listeners to the New England life and the Northeast's most interesting characters. That's us. Yeah. Please join us for this exciting event, the Cold River Radio Show hosted by Jonathan Sardi and the Cold River Band and recorded live before a studio audience at the beautiful state-of-the-art theater in the wood in Intervale, New Hampshire. Oh, this, this show is fabulous, Dave. That's, that's great. And we're going to be part of it, which is really awesome. It is awesome. And you can go to that website, coldriverradio.com, to buy tickets and get more information. Uh, but the acts, the, the music this show brings on, is almost better than li- better than listening to the Fish Nerds. Almost. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a tall order. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and what's the date we're going to be there? Oh, uh, Mother's Day, May 10th. Oh, very yeah. good. In the evening. Bring your mom. Bring your mom or, you know, your wife. <laughs> oh, don't ever use those two things in the same sentence. Don't bring both. Mothers yeah. ruin <laughs> dates. <laughs> I, a true story, my mother-in-law comes to the show with my <laughs> wife and I every time we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. sitting, you know, you could, it's a BYOB event. You bring a bottle of wine, you bring some sushi, and you're enjoying a nice romantic time with your wife, and your mother-in-law is two seats down talking politics. <laughs> Once again, folks, the Cold River Radio Band... Special guest tonight, Dave Brown, joining us on guitar. Fish nerds would like to encourage everybody who's in the listening area to make it to the Kittery Trading Post in the month of May, primarily, for the Kayak Fishing Seminar Series, conducted by our good friend Tim Moore of... What do you think it is of, Rue? Uh, Rue. <laughs> what do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've mixed me and your dog up. I think it's Tim Moore of Tim Moore Outdoors, also of Tim Moore Outdoors TV. See? Yes. Three and of Tim, Tim Moore's, Moore's in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Moore is a nationally recognized professional angler, licensed New Hampshire, New Hampshire hunting and fishing guide, outdoor writer and promoter, seminar speaker, and a friend of the Fish Nerds. The first session will be Kayak Fishing Basics, and that's on April 29th. These all start at 6 p.m., by the way. Others include, a week later, casting and jigging for lake trout, then kayak fishing for striped bass, and then winter flounder from a kayak. Pretty much every Wednesday in May at 6 p.m., you ought to go to the Kittery Trading Post and check out Kayak Fishing Seminar Series with Tim Moore of Tim Moore Outdoors. Right. Incidentally, this is sponsored by Daddy Mac Lures, another friend of the podcast. Yeah, and, um, and a hot lure, I must say, in 2015. And you can get Daddy Mac Lures right there at Kittery Trading Post. Perfect. That's exactly right. And for more information, you go to uh, ktpevents.com, and you can get all the information you need. So that is it. That's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that middle-aged guys do. If you would like to support the fish nerds, you can go to patreon.com slash fish nerds and help us crowdfund this show. We would like to give a special thanks to Doc Martin for all her fishy knowledge that comes out of her fishy brain and also pk lures for giving us the lures for this month's stump the fish nerds promotion and until next time follow the code of the fish nerds spawn early and often avoid free lunches with strings attached and swim against the current every chance you get 